Welcome to the Australian Chiropractors Association podcast. The ACA is the peak body representing chiropractors in Australia. Hosted by ACA President, Dr. Anthony Coxon, these podcasts explore the science, art, philosophy, and politics of chiropractic, as well as reviewing the latest research and discussing how chiropractors can strive for excellence in practice. Welcome to the Australian Chiropractors Association podcast. I'm your podcast host, Anthony Coxon. Well, we all know that exercise and, uh, is good for physical and mental health. And with an aging population, we've seen an emergence of a more formalized competitive exercise for older people by way of the Masters Games and similar events. You've probably seen great-grandmothers on lifestyle shows competing in the shop put, or noticed middle-aged and older men in Lycra out training for various cycling events. Perhaps you've had patients who are Masters athletes or even compete in these events yourself. As for me, I've been cycling for about three or four years, and within 12 months of being on the bike was competing in Masters road races. I personally find it a really enjoyable physical challenge and also enjoy the social camaraderie that comes with this kind of competition. Well, our guest today is an expert in the field of the Masters athlete and understands how to care for their special needs. I'm excited to say that he'll also be one of our keynote speakers at the upcoming ACA conference in Hobart in October. Professor Peter Rayburn is the current head of exercise and sports science at Bond University. Prior to commencing at Bond in late 2016, Peter spent 20 years at Rockhampton at CQU University, where he was head of department for eight years and won both the National Teaching Citation and CQU Research Supervisor of the Year Award after being nominated by his students. P Peter practices very much what he preaches. As a younger man, he won four National Surf Lifesaving Championships. In 2005, he won the National Ironman Triathlon Championship for the 50 to 54 year age group, another group that I'm actually in now, uh, that qualified him to compete uh, and complete the Hawaiian Ironman World Championship, where he finished seventh in his age group achieving a lifelong dream of competing and completing this event. More recently, he's turned to surf lifesaving and ocean swimming, where in 2017, he won the gold medal um, in the rescue tube race for the 60 to 64 year age group, and recently won the 60 to 69 year age group for the big swim, a 2.K uh, ocean swim from Palm Beach to Whale Beach in Sydney. Hi, Peter, and welcome to the ACA podcast. Yeah, great to be with you this morning. So, for some of our uh, listeners, they um, may have competed uh, in the Masters competition of some sort. Um, for some people, they may not much, know much about it at all. How popular are these events in Australia and internationally? Well, I have to say in one word, Anthony, growing in popularity. Uh, as uh, the, just an example, the World Masters Games that began in 1985 um, in Toronto in Canada had just over 8,000 competitors and we've grown now to the more recent, most recent ones held in Auckland, New Zealand that had almost 29,000. So we've had well over 300% growth, you know, 25, 30 years. So uh, yeah, that's at the, at the world level. But even at the Australian level, um, there's been a dramatic growth in the Australian Masters Games where in, in Adelaide in 2015, they had just over 10,000 people engaged. And if we take your sport and my sport, uh, veterans competitive cycling, 
there's been a, a dramatic growth of around 10,000 members nationally. Uh, and that's uh, in 2005, they had about 4,500. So there's been quite a dramatic growth, uh, not only in world masters and national uh, competitions for across all sports in terms of masters games, but most individual sports have seen quite a, a growth uh, in the number of older male and female competitors engaging with them. So the actual Masters, the International Masters game, is that a bit like the Olympics, you know, a whole range of different sports and that people come to compete? Yes, it is. And it's, uh, it's held in, it's an actual International Masters games group that uh, organise these, these games every four years and they open up as similar to the Olympics. They have multiple sports in one venue uh, it's, a, it's a much bigger uh, event than the Olympic Games, two to three times the size in terms of the number of competitors. Um, and there's an emphasis not only on competition, but also on camaraderie. Uh, and that's a, that's a major component of Masters Sports, is that social element. Uh, and, and that, but when you combine the physical and the social, you've just got so many advantages in terms of people ageing successfully. In, in physically ageing well, psych, good for psychological health to be engaged in sport and engaged with others, socially really a positive experience. And also, if we take another factor apart from the physical, psychological and social, we've also got the cognitive benefits of being engaged with uh, Masters sport. So, and there's a lot of evidence, particularly in the last three to four years, so that people that are engaged with Masters sport sort of have a larger brain size and that their cognitive thinking abilities uh, are enhanced through engagement with uh, Masters sport. So just a win-win by being engaged with Masters sport. I've been interested in when uh, a person becomes a Master. Chris Froome is, is 33 and the... He won the Tour de Giro and I think he podiumed in the Tour de France this year, so very much at the top of his game. Roger Federer is 37, so uh, both of these athletes would actually qualify as Masters athletes, which is makes it tough for people like me who are 50 and have to compete against the 30-year-olds. The um, is it the same across all sports that 30 is when you become uh, or become eligible to be a, a Master athlete? No, in fact, it varies from sport to sport. As you've discovered in Masters Cycling, or Veteran Cycling, as we call it, in Australia, um, you can be as young as 30, and, uh, and there's, there's competitors well into their 80s in, in Veteran Cycling within Australia. And many of those have been past Olympians and elite competitors as youngsters, but in some other sports, for example, um, golf, it, it it's over 50 years of age, so it varies from sport to sport um, on how they classify veteran or masters athletes, and indeed it can vary from even country to country. Uh, for example, internationally in swimming, masters swimming is classified as over 25, uh, but within Australia you can compete at the national masters swimming championships um, and be 20 years of age. So it does vary from sport to sport, but it, it's always pretty scary when you do come up against those ex-Olympians and uh, 
certainly if I was uh, going in a bike race and I had to compete in an open Masters event against Chris Broome, um, I, I don't like much chances, mate, particularly on the hills. <laughs> Absolutely. So you mentioned about, uh, obviously, um, some of the Masters athletes are um, ex-champions in the, in the younger divisions, whether they're Olympians or, or competing on the world stage. Uh, some of them, of course, are people who, um, like me, only took to a certain sport um, older in life. What, what's the typical sort of person that's attracted to, to master sword? Is there is there a, um, a, a particular demographic? You know, they are they tend to be more professional, or they tend to be more sort of hands-on labourers. Or is there any sort of particular person that's attracted to these sorts of events? Interesting question, Anthony, and. Uh... One of my colleagues, and there's very few of us that are engaged with research in, in the area of Martin's athletes, but uh, one of my colleagues from Charles Sturton University, Riley Dianogi, um, has done a lot of research in this area of you know, what are your typical or your types of older athletes. And uh, there's basically three types. Um, and there's those like myself that are what we call continuous that have always enjoyed being engaged with sport for all the, the psychological and physical health benefits of being engaged with sport. We call those the continuers. There's also the rekindlers, um, and you may be one of those, I don't know, where you know you, you, you do your sport as a younger person and you go to university and you're still engaged with it. Then you might get engaged with your career and family and then your focus goes to your career and family and then you come back into your sport as you get older mm. and, and we call those the rekindlers. Yep. And the third type of the late bloomers, those people that discover sport for the very first time in, in older age and interestingly, they seem to be um, older women um, as we see um, women getting back and having a much greater role in, in, in the world. And uh, as a father of two daughters, I'm happily married now. I think that's a great thing. But as a group, Anthony, if we take those three people through types of Masters athletes, in general, Masters athletes are, and the research strongly supports this, are well-educated. Um, they tend to have a, a disposable income. Um, they all... They come from different um, fitness levels back into their sport or into their sport. And, but in general, they're all very keen to learn and master uh, their, their sport and to get better and better at it. And they, they, another critical thing, they all tend to compete uh, for different reasons and get engaged for different reasons. And you know, maybe we could explore that a little bit uh, because there are one of the unique characteristics of older athletes compared to younger athletes is they do tend to get engaged uh, for a whole variety of reasons, not just competition. Well, it's interesting you, you've said that. In fact, I like the way you call them, um, you know, they're wanting to master their sport. So they're, they're master athletes on, on uh, more than what just one level. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, the, the engagement side that you're alluding to there. Well, in Masters Swimming, and I've been involved with Masters Swimming for many, many years, uh, since 1987, and uh, after getting out of surf life saving, I thought I'd really enjoy swimming for health. And when we joined, uh, my wife and I joined Miami Masters on the Gold Coast 
the National Masters Swimming Organisation uh, had a, a logo or a slogan, and it was around fun, fitness, and friendship. And I suppose, in a nutshell, that's that the, they cover the major reasons why Masters athletes engage with Masters sport, and that's to be fit, you know, to, to be socially engaged with people and to have a lot of fun. But there's a, there's sort of, and I need to say it's a small percentage, you know. In, in Masters swimming, it would be 5 to 10% of those that join a Masters swimming club uh, do it to compete. So one of the things I think a lot of sports, and particularly Masters swimming, is up against is what I call the Dawn Fraser syndrome, where they think, that everyone who's engaged with master sport is a former elite competitor. Mm. But it's far from the case. Um, yes. Most masters uh, athletes uh, are in there for the fun, fitness and friendship reasons rather than the competition reasons. And I think that really opens the door up for so many people to, to enter these types of sports because it's far less intimidating when it's uh, about the... Um, the fun and friendship and fitness rather than just the competition. Exactly. And, and as I was alluding to earlier, these you know, the World Masters Games, the Australian Masters Games, the Pan Pacific Masters Games that are happening on the Gold Coast November 2 and 3 this year, that, those events, uh, they're all designed with a very strong social element around them. So invariably, yes, there's competition during the day, but you know, at, in the evenings and at nights and even during the day, so most of the um, sports will have sort of social areas um, and you know, well-known bands, for example, the Hoodoo Gurus, Daryl Braithwaite, um, that will be appearing um, at, at nights uh, to attract the older athletes to come together and enjoy the camaraderie. Uh, that comes with Masters Sport. And, and no doubt you've experienced the same with cycling. It's a, it's a wonderful um, social um, activity to go for a ride and or do a race, but then to sit around and have a cup of coffee and or a, a, a quiet beer or two or three. It's uh, just a wonderful way of engaging and making friends. Absolutely, and I, and I love that uh, Daryl Braithwaite and the Hoodoo Gurus, who we could probably classify as master entertainers, are there to entertain the master athletes. That's fantastic. Yeah, mate, you, you uh, yeah, those of us that remember those, uh, those bands will uh, <laughs> their bells on. So you mentioned earlier, uh, just with a very brief snapshot, of the of these sort of activities have a physical, emotional and cognitive benefit from the, for the athletes. Perhaps you could expand just a little bit on that. Yeah, um, I, I need to sort of draw upon some work with one of my PhD students named David Gear, who is about to submit his PhD in the area of uh, his title of the thesis is Are Masters Athletes uh, an Exemplar of Successful Aging? And um, when you look at the, the successful aging, some people might call it healthy aging. Um, look at the, the literature and the research around this area. We, we sort of describe successful aging or healthy aging in, in four areas. People that are aging successfully physically, um, psychologically, cognitively, and also socially. And 
all the ageing literature talks about those four different domains um, of, of ageing and ageing well. And what David did was to do a, a number of surveys and, and then an actual intervention using cyclists, interestingly, Anthony, yeah, uh, around 30 cyclists were broken into two groups. They were all recreational cyclists, so they weren't engaged with competition or training regularly, but just, you know, the, uh, a few male and females that enjoy cycling once or twice a week. And we actually got them involved with the local cycling club and they had a coach who trained them for 12 weeks. And both through the surveys that we did um, and the intervention that we did, um, we found that, the, the, that those that were involved with regular training and with regular competition uh, not only improved their physical function, but in particular improved their, their social um, function um, that was measured objectively um, and are small changes, but not significant in their psychological function and their cognitive function. But when we put all of that together, uh, we found that there was a, a very positive effect on the overall area of successful ageing, um, and in particular in the physical domain and the social domain. So, you know, when we're getting that published in the research, and it's a really strong argument uh, for national sporting organisations and local and state organisations to attract older people into back into sport um, because of the, the massive health benefits that will accrue both socially and particularly health-wise. So that's some, obviously some clearly very positive benefits of being involved uh, in as an older person in exercise in general and particularly in a master's type program where you've got that sort of social interaction as well. What about the potential downsides? You know, cycling isn't um, always a particularly safe sport, particularly um, uh, in competitive cycling. What are the risks potentially involved with these types of activities? Yeah, it, it's interesting. And, and from a chiropractor, you know, practice point of view, you know, a lot of people might think that older athletes uh, suffer more injuries whether they be overuse injuries or acute injuries. Um, but when, when we look at the research, the, the actual research suggests, and this is large cohort studies, one of my other PhD students, Mark Brown, uh, is, has done a number of surveys and he's doing another major one as, as part of his PhD with the, the upcoming Pan-Pacific Masters Games. And what Mark has found over a number of surveys is that the, the actual um, risk of injury in older athletes is significantly lower uh, than it is with youth sport. Um, in fact, one of these studies showed that it's about a third less injury rate um, in the older athletes compared to the younger other research studies looking at specific sports of, of similarly are supporting maybe not a third of, of the a third um, of the risk of injuries as in younger athletes, but certainly significantly less rate of injury um, in in older athletes, and maybe that's a function of the fact that they don't compete at a at a really high intensity. Maybe it's a fact that they've uh, mastered their 
technique over many, many years. Maybe, and let's hope that is the case, they're getting along to their allied health professionals and getting screened by physiotherapists, chiropractors, to make sure that they are, um, have got the right range of motion and flexibility to enable them to undertake their sport um, injury-free, that they're strong enough, they've got the balance front to back, left to right, to be able to do their activities muscularly without any major risk. And in, in particular, that they, they've got the, uh, the cardiovascular um, fitness to be able to uh, cope with the demands of their sport. And I'd also like to think that all the athletes are training with the right technique, and that's something that over years and years and years that older athletes have, have learnt how to do their sport technically well, which means less injuries, but also how to listen to their body and, and how to ease back in terms of training. I think you've made a number of really good points there, Peter. Um, certainly, I think that the Masters athlete tends to have a, a more sensible approach generally to, to their sport. I know um, I've had two crashes in, uh, in cycling uh, in races. Both have been uh, when I've been racing with, with the young kids. Um, and I've never had an accident or even close to an accident when I've been in a Masters uh, race. Uh, and I think also, and I, I hadn't thought of that, but I think you're quite right that um, certainly a, a Masters athlete probably, you know, isn't really thinking about cheap stations. They're, you know, the, the prize at the end, they're, they're probably more doing it for the whole idea of being there and competing and, and I guess have a... Um, a duty of care to their fellow athlete that some of the younger um, athletes may not have. Um, and certainly disposable income and just thinking about their, their bodies and their, their longevity, they're probably more likely to use people like chiropractors, um, exercise physiologists, physiotherapists, etc., uh, to help both prepare for their sport, but also to manage little injuries when they, when they do appear. Yeah, and if we sort of combine some of the factors we've been talking about, I think there, when we look at the growth um, in, in Masters mm -hmm. sport, and that's, and particularly now we've got the, our baby boomer generation moving through and the national, the new Australian Sports Commission, national sports that is encouraging participation of all age groups into national sports organisations. I think there's that big bubble and that great opportunity um, from a professional point of view in terms of chiropractors and, and business, that, that, that your members think about older athletes as a potential market. And I mean, we've got to be honest, and we, it's a market. Um, There's also a group of people that are looking to make sure that they remain injury-free, that they remain healthy. They, in general, with that, that disposable income, and well-educated, um, they'll be looking, they'll have private health, they'll they be looking for ways of getting healthier to stay in their sport for longer and to perform for those that are interested and perform better. So you know, from, a, from every point of view, um, the, the older athlete is a market um, that, that has, my feeling is, that is in general being untapped um, for allied health professionals. So let's, um, I mean, there's obviously, uh, 
some age-related decrease in performance um, for, for the Masters athlete. You know, someone in their 50s is unlikely to, to get around the track as quickly as someone uh, in their 20s. How do we then, as professionals, accommodate for maybe designing health uh, or, or training programs for the Masters athlete, or is there anything in particular we should be thinking about in terms of their, um, their care or their recovery times, all these sorts of things? Yeah, there is, and um, you know, there, there's absolutely no doubt, and you know, I feel it every day when I go training. I'm training this morning, and I, I swam, and uh, I look up at the clock, and I still feel fast, but I look at the clock, and the clock's just, you know, it's added you know, 10, 15 seconds to what that same feeling used to be yes. many years ago. But yeah, there's, there's no doubt that uh, physiologically, and physically, there's a lot of declines that are just age-related. And regardless of how hard we train, we're still going to have a decline in these capacities. But critically, the, the, that rate of decline relative to older people that have given up exercise, those rates of decline in masters athletes that are sticking with it are nowhere near as great as those that give away this sport. So, you know, our endurance fitness, you know, aerobic capacity, we call that, our speed and power, our anaerobic capacity, our strength declines, our body composition changes, and our flexibility decreases. And all of those factors um, tend to lead to a decrease in performance. But a lot of those factors, and like aerobic capacity, anaerobic capacity, speed and power, strength and body composition, a lot of those are related to an inevitable age-related decline in muscle mass, which, which occurs in older athletes, again, not as great as it does in older people that give it away, but that decline in muscle mass is something from a professional point of view that weight training can help overcome. And there's a lot of research, including by a couple of my PhD students, that has shown that older athletes that take on weight training, particularly hypertrophy or muscle enlarging weight training, um, can improve their performance and their health while not compromising their aerobic capacity. So if we think about speed and power and strength, those are very much revolve around muscle force and muscle power. And weight training can help offset those declines. Another big one is flexibility, and, and that's uh, an age-related decrease, including in older athletes. So flexibility training and weight training are two key areas that an older athlete really should be very focused on, not just for performance reasons, but for injury prevention reasons as well. And I think that's something, sorry, just to just drop uh, cut in there. I, I think that's something that's also changed a bit like the Masters uh, athlete growth. Uh, the amount of older people you see in gymnasiums these days, mind you, usually it's at a different time of the day. It's not usually at 5.30 in the evening. It's, uh, you know, usually the afternoon or the uh, late morning session. But you, we certainly do see a whole lot more older people in gymnasiums today. And I know that's something that I've been recommending to my older patients for a long, long time for osteoporosis prevention reasons uh, also. Um, so 
clearly there pe- people are doing these sorts of things. Yeah, and in particular, um, when, when you were talking earlier about some of the risks, you know, injury risks, but in older cyclists and swimmers in particular, and they are a very large cohort of masters athletes. Uh, they're, they're two of our biggest masters sports, uh, swimming and cycling. And, and they're both non-weight-bearing sports, and there's a lot of research that's highlighted that those two cohorts of older cyclists and older swimmers are at risk of osteoporosis, and there's evidence in both of those groups um, that weight training, where you've got that, that load-bearing, particularly when combined with some, some light plyometric training, which has got that those impact forces... Um, have been shown to benefit osteoporosis in older athletes. In as little as three months, another one of my former PhD students, Luke Del Vecchio, has published in, in that space that the 12 weeks of resistance training in 50-plus-year-old males can positively benefit um, bone health while not compromising aerobic capacity and improving uh, 200 meter, flying 200-metre time trial on the track so again weight training to increase muscle mass but to improve bone health in in swimmers and cyclists would be strongly recommended well there's certainly benefits there all around and certainly uh if just for purely aesthetic reasons for the cyclists we, we do tend to get a bit on the skinny side so uh, putting on a little bit of a, a muscle weight does you do look better in your uh, three-piece suit that's for sure <laughs> Well, look, I've really enjoyed our chat today, Peter. Thank you so much for taking the time to be a part of the ACA podcast. Well, it's been a pleasure, Anthony. Thank you for the informed uh, questions. And uh, I really look forward to being uh, meeting um, the, the members of the organisation and yourself down in Hobart at the National Conference. Maybe if I could just give a little plug too. Uh, um, we are running in conjunction with the Pan Pacific Masters Games um, the, the, the two days prior to the Pan Pacific Masters Games, a, a symposium that's bringing for the very first time to what sports science has shown around older athletes um, in terms of injury prevention, um, performance and nutrition. Um, on November the 2nd and 3rd, being held at Bond University, we're running a two-day symposium uh, for allied health professionals and older athletes um, it's being held at Bond University, and it's just called Mastering Sports Symposium. If people just want to, your members just want to Google it, um, they'll find it, and uh, we really encourage people to come along. But I'm really looking forward to Hobart and uh, meeting yourself and Deb and other members of the ACA and your members. Really looking forward to it. Well, I think your, your presentation will fit perfectly into our topic of uh, positive ageing. There's not much more of a... You, you couldn't have a better fit, I don't think. Uh, and as far as the the, uh, the Pan Pacific Masters Games and fitting your um, uh, your seminar in there at Bond University, we'll make that link available uh, to members. So if you're listening to this and you're an ACA member, uh, we'll make sure that link has been sent out to you also. Uh, Peter, thanks so much. Uh, it's been great chatting to you, and uh, I'm sure there'll be many members who'll be keen to hear more of what you have to say at our upcoming AGM in October in Hobart. Well, that's it for me. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to register for the ACA conference to hear more from Peter and many others. I hope this podcast has been helpful in your quest for excellence. 
And I look forward to chatting with you again on our next ACA podcast. Mm-hmm.